Welcome in to the inaugural episode of the Savage Fantasy Football Podcast with your host, me, Jeff Peck. And I just want to say, if you decide to stay and listen to the whole podcast, thank you very much, and I hope you enjoy. So I'm going to be talking about tips and tricks I've learned playing fantasy football. I've been playing maybe five years, and there's still things I see happening that if you read any kind of fantasy football source or blog or Twitter post they're telling you not to do these things and yet they're happening in every league they're happening in your leagues they're happening in my leagues so hopefully you're not doing these things and if you are stop doing them and correct yourself before you wreck yourself all right so people seem to think that drafting a middle of the pack team is a way to win fantasy football championships i'm here to tell you that it's 100% not. You need to be drafting for upside. You need to be drafting for spike. You need to be drafting to try and really dominate your league. You don't want to be that team that squeaks into the playoffs and loses week one because your team is just average. You want a team where you go into a week and nobody wants to be playing you. Nobody wants to be your opponent ever. Not even in the finals, they don't want to be your opponent. And I'm going to go through things here today that are going to help you At least give your team the best advantage you can to get there. You know, to get to that championship. How many teams are going to win your league? One team's going to win your league. You're going to have a runner-up. You're going to have a third place, a fourth place. No one wants to be the runner-up. No one wants to be third, fourth. Everybody wants to go all the way. They want to win. Why do we play fantasy football? Not Not to compete. It's to win. You want to win your league. You want to be the one who says, I'm last year's champion. Look at me, bro. Here we go. Right? That's what you want. So, step one to winning a championship is drafting a good team. Right? So, how do you attack your draft? Do you go into your draft with a set strategy? You know, like, oh, I'm 100% going to get Christian McCaffrey. I'm getting the first pick. No questions asked. I'm going to win win my league because Christian McCaffrey is going to return to all-star form. He's, he's not hurt anymore. He's perfect. Here we go. Let's win. Right? No, that's not right. Right? You go into your draft, and it's more easy to lose your league in your draft than it is to win your league in your draft. Have you heard of a waiver wire? Who are people we picked up on the waiver wire last year? Maybe guys like, oh, oh, I don't know, maybe James Robinson, who turned out to be an RB1 or RB2 last year, off the waiver wire, week one or week two. Right? So you don't necessarily win your league in your draft, but... There's people who definitely lose their league in their draft. So we're going to talk about attacking the draft in a way where you optimize your strategies and you're able to make changes during the draft that help you to limit your ability to lose and maximize your ability to win. So step one to drafting a team, right? You should understand the format of your league. How many wide receivers are you starting? How many running backs are you starting? Is it two quarterback? Is is it super flex? Is it, does it have IDP? Does it have any kind of weird settings? Right? If you're a standard fantasy football player and you're playing on ESPN, you know, free leagues or Yahoo free leagues or, you know, standard Yahoo pro leagues for like 20 bucks, you should understand the format. A standard Yahoo pro league is 0.5 PPR format. So that means every reception that a player gets, they get half a point, right? So who is more valuable in a format like that? A stud running back or a stud wide receiver? Answer is stud running back, obviously. 
they're going to get the ball more, especially guys like Christian McCaffrey, Dalvin Cook, Alvin Kamara, who catch the ball, right? You get best of both worlds. But in a full PPR format, or in a format where you're starting more wide receivers than you are running backs, maybe the wide receiver position takes a step up there, don't we think? Like, if you're going to start three wide receivers, are you going to go running back, running back, running back, running back? Probably not, unless for some reason nobody's drafting the top four running backs in the, t- in the first four rounds. If Ezekiel Elliott's there in the third round, you're taking Ezekiel Elliott. Why would you pass up on Ezekiel Elliott for a wide receiver? That's, that's what we're talking about here. We're talking about understanding your format, understanding how the scoring works, understanding who you got to start, when you got to start them, whether you need two quarterbacks, two quarterback league, you got to attack quarterback much earlier than in a one quarterback league because there's going to be less of them on the waiver wire. So let's talk about the first round of our drafts, right? Drafts are, let's pull up the ADP here, right? Drafts are starting off, and this is in a half PPR format, drafts are starting off with six to seven running backs, and then there's a little bit of divergence. There's a little room to freestyle, right? So we're starting off Christian McCaffrey, Dalvin Cook, Derek Henry, Alvin Kamara, Ezekiel Elliott, Nick Chubb, Aaron Jones, right? I don't see an issue with any of that. I don't see an issue with any of that. But then when you get down to the tier where it's Saquon Barkley, Jonathan Taylor, would you rather pick up a guy like Devontae Adams or Travis Kelsey or Tyreek Hill or would you rather take the risk on a Saquon Barkley who we don't know what his workload's going to be? He's he's healthy, but he's not healthy. Like We don't know for sure what, what the deal is. Or would you rather lock down the potential number one wide receiver? I lean toward taking a wide receiver or a, a difference maker at tight end like Travis Kelsey there. And this is where you need to divert. What do we call, what do we call those first seven picks in the round, the running backs? We call that a running back run, correct? So... The running back run is happening. You're sitting in your draft. You're like, oh, you know what? I'm at the I'm at the eight. Maybe I'll get Aaron Jones. Maybe I'll get Nick Chubb here. Maybe I can maybe I can get lucky here, right? And then right before your pick, they snipe you. You're like, oh damn. You know what do I do now? What do I do now? All right. Well, the next best guy is Saquon Barkley, Jonathan Taylor. Let's talk. You know, I don't understand why you'd be taking them there. You take Devontae Adams. You take Travis Kelsey, especially in a full PPR format. You want to make you want to get the difference makers there. You want to make get the guys who are gonna give you the biggest upside week to week at that position. You don't want a middle of the. You don't want to chase a lesser running back there where you can get the potential number one tight end, the potential number one wide receiver, and then you get a, you get an RB two potential RB one in the second round. There's no reason to be forcing any positions. You don't need to fill your roster line by line. You need to take who's most valuable to your team at that time. And being able to tell who's most valuable for your team at that time comes down to understanding tiers. Now, when I talk about tiers in a fantasy football draft, I'm talking about guys like Devontae Adams are in a completely different league, right, than guys like Russell Gage. They're not even comparable. They should never be drafted back-to-back in a draft. They're not even close. Now, if I saw Devontae Adams and then I saw Stephon Diggs, or I saw Stephon Diggs and then Devontae Adams, am I really raising my eyebrows in the order that they're drafted? No, because they're similar guys. They're in a similar tier. And you understand that. Now, if you're picking again in six picks and you got Devontae Adams and Stefan Diggs sitting there, and then all of a sudden the next best guy is a guy like DK Metcalf, are we gonna are we gonna diverge from them? Are we gonna take an Austin Eckler, a Najee Harris, and then take the DK Metcalf? I don't think so. I think I'd rather have a tier one wide receiver, a Devontae Adams or a Tyreek Hill, than I would rather have 
an Austin Eckler, and a DK Metcalf. We can attack guys like Clyde Edwards-Alaire and Joe Mixon in later rounds, later picks, who have similar upside to guys like DK Metcalf, right? There's also more wide receivers available that are fantasy relevant. Once you get into that running back dead zone in like rounds four and five, depending on the depth of your league, if you're a 12-team league, it's sooner. You don't want to be taking those guys there. You really don't. You don't want to be taken. Oh God! Like for instance, you don't want to be taken as your first as your first running back, Miles Sanders. Like, oh, could you imagine waking up on Sunday morning and looking at your looking at your lineup and your running back one is Miles Sanders and your running back two is a guy like Raheem Mostert? Holy goodness! That is not an ideal scenario, right? I don't think zero RB is is an, a viable strategy. I think what people need to be doing is attacking the draft and taking the value based on tiers. How do we do this? We look at the tier lists, and in our draft, we're utilizing our queue, right? We're we're going through. We're saying, okay, you know what? I just uh, I'm up at I'm up at number eight. No running backs here. Really want? I'm gonna take Travis Kelsey here. I'm going to take Travis Kelsey. Now I don't got to worry about tight end at all. There's a tight end dead zone also later in the draft, just like with running backs. Like, would, do you really want to be taking a, a bad tight end in the middle rounds? Just as bad as you don't want to be taking a bad running back. You don't want any of that on your team. You don't want people who aren't going to be relevant on your team. Taking up a roster spot. You're going to drop them off, the, off to the waiver wire. You don't need them anymore, right? So we look at our tiers. We look at a guy like... You know, at the eight spot, we look at Saquon Barkley, Jonathan Taylor, uh, Devontae Adams, Travis Kelsey are like reasonable picks there. Sometimes Austin Eckler, Najee Harris, guys like that might sneak up. I don't think Najee Harris makes it up that far, but you, you don't know people don't, right? Now, a tier one tight end, Travis Kelsey, who's in tier one by himself, is much more valuable to me than an if or a maybe at running back, like Jonathan Taylor or Saquon Barkley, right? They're both gonna they're both players are most likely gonna be very good. But would you rather take Travis Kelsey, who's the best tight end, period, if he's healthy? He's the best tight end with the best quarterback in the best offense. Or would you rather take Saquon Barkley, who could be could potentially be RB1. He could potentially be in a decent offense. He could potentially be hurt. You know, who knows? You want to take things you know. You don't want to lose your league in round one. You don't want to be drafting... And saying, oh, let me take Saquon Barkley in the first round. And then in the second round, oh, let me take a guy like, oh, who am I taking? Oh, you know, you want to be you want to be attacking the positions where you can get a positional advantage. You want to be grabbing those Travis Kelsey's and those Tyree Kills and those Devontae Adams at the end of the first round. And circling back and getting an RB2, getting a Najee Harris, Austin Eckler, Antonio Gibson. You know, potentially, uh, depending on how high you are on him, Clyde Edwards, Larry Joe Mixon are going in the middle of the second round. Though that is the winning strategy at the end of the draft. Do not chase the RB run. Do not feel compelled, forced to take a running back at the end of the round from the eight eight on, because you can get a guy who's similar to those guys. I mean, see how much of a step down is Najee Harris from Saquon Barkley? Is he is he enough of a difference where you'd rather let somebody else get Travis Kelsey in your league? I don't think so. I don't think I'd rather have somebody get Travis Kelsey in my league than, than get Saquon Barkley. So that's understanding your tiers and understanding the positional difference you can get by attacking the draft as at tiers instead of positions. You shouldn't say, oh, I need two running backs, and running backs disappear really fast, so I need to take, I have to 100% take a running back right here. I cannot let them fall down to the draft. If I don't take a running back, I'm not going to lose my league. No, Travis Kelsey is going to put up more points than Saquon Barkley, in a, in a, especially in a full PPR. I don't think Saquon Barkley touches Travis Kelsey this year if they're both healthy and start all year. 
Travis Kelsey is going to put up more points than Saquon Barkley. I have a feeling. Right? So why why chase the run instead of taking the upside? The answer is don't chase the run. Speaking of chasing the run and doing things that don't make sense and attacking tiers, people are drafting Washington football defense in like the eighth round of their draft. Why, why are we doing this? Are we seeing, oh, I have... I drafted my quarterback, my two wide receivers, my two running backs, and my flex. So now I'm going to take Washington football defense because I just need a defense. Why are you doing this to yourself? Why are you doing this to your team? You're doing a disservice to all those amazing players you just drafted. You're giving them less of a chance to win. <laughs> You're making your team worse by doing this. Same goes for kickers, obviously. When, you, when you're drafting a kicker too early, you're doing it wrong. You wait. You wait until very late when the value is right for defense. If you're if you're in the 17th round, the last round of your draft, or f- or 15th round, close to the end, and somebody like Justin Tucker is sitting there, and you're like, oh, you know what? I really like Justin Tucker. He's going to make a difference. He's a difference maker at kicker. You know, he could potentially score 30 to 40 more points than the next best kicker, because this man kicks 60 yard field goals like they're 20 yard field goals, and he can sing opera like a savage. Then I can then I can understand pulling the trigger and getting your kicker there. But taking taking a Harrison Bucker in the 10th round when guys like Braden Cooks are still on the board is just silly. You're just doing it wrong. Right? Harrison Bucker, what's a what's an amazing week for for Harrison Bucker? 15 points, right? 15 points. Okay, what's what's an what's a, a decent week for another random kicker in the league? Right? 8 points, 9 points, 10 points. And they could very well easily outscore Harrison Bucker. Or Justin Tucker. It doesn't matter. The positional availability of kickers and defenses, there's 32 of them, right? There's 32 of them, and everybody's only got to start one, right? Why are you using your 10th round pick on a defense or a kicker when you can get a guy like Brandon Cooks or any of these other good middle mid-round wide receivers or running backs that have upside, when when you can just li- you're literally going to take that that defense, you're going to take that Washington football defense, and sure when you draft them, you're like oh you know I got my defense locked in, I'm locked in for the year, got the Washington football defense, they got amazing playmakers on that defensive line, right? And yeah, sure they're going to play the Giants and the Eagles twice, right? But when they're matched up against a team that puts up points, like if 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 week one they're playing the Giants. Sure, there you go. Great job. You know, perfect matchup for you. Then all of a sudden the next week they're playing Kansas City. <laughs> Are you going to keep the Washington football defense in your starting lineup against a team that could put up 60 points? You probably shouldn't. You're probably doing it wrong. Now, are you going to take them out of your starting lineup, put them on your bench, drop a positional player like a wide receiver or a running back, to pick up a second defense to then slot into your lineup for that week. I don't think that's good either. I think you're doing it wrong either way, right? Streaming defenses and getting defenses late is the only optimal way to draft a defense. You are doing it wrong if you're taking Washington defense in the eighth round. Like I said, if it's the 15th round and you're drafting guys who are so speculative that they, you very well could end up on, on the waiver wire by week one or before the season even starts, then go ahead and take a defense you like. If you got a defense you like and they're staring at you right there, then go ahead and take them. But don't be taking them in the eighth round. You're getting playmakers in the eighth round. You're getting difference makers in the eighth round, not defenses that are going to be 
passed around the league. You know, they're going to be passed around. They're going to be playing playing Uno with those with those defenses. So drop one and draw two, drop one and draw three, drop one and draw four. You don't need to have a defense that you start 14 weeks in a row. You don't have to. You're probably doing it wrong if you are. Right? Like, if you're drafting worse than the auto-draft, you're doing something wrong. Do auto-drafts draft defenses at the eighth round unless people have set them in their queue? No. No, they do not. They do not. They draft the next best player. Is the next best player a defense? No. I mean, if ADP is inflated to the point because all you people are drafting the wrong thing and your people are drafting defenses way too early, then maybe maybe the auto-draft will draft the defense because the ADP is up there because it drafts the next best ADP. But odds are good. Auto-draft ain't taking Washington defense because somebody's going to reach 20 picks down to take them in the 8th round when they should be going in the 15th round or later, right? So don't draft kickers and defense early. And speaking on, and continuing to speak on kickers and defense, there are leagues where you shouldn't even draft a kicker and a defense, right? Is there going to be kickers and defenses you're okay starting on the waiver wire in week one? The answer is yes, Right? So if you're getting to the end of your draft and there's no kicker in defense that you really want, like if you're in the if you're in the 16th round and Justin Tucker's there, go ahead take Justin Tucker. That's much better than drafting a guy who may be nothing. He may not even play or something. You know what I'm saying? Like he may not he may not be valuable to you. But if there's guys like Russell Gage, who was a sleeper weeks ago, people keep saying, "Oh, I got a sleeper for you. Russell Gage is a sleeper." No, he's not a sleeper anymore. Literally everybody fucking knows about Russell Gage now. Everybody knows about Russell Gage. He's not a sleeper anymore, right? He's a good value pick in late round drafts. That's it. I would rather have a Russell Gage in the 16th round and then drop Russell Gage if he doesn't pan out before the season starts than draft a defense that I like their week 1 matchup and not draft Russell Gage, right? That's just simple. You you have these players, and then what happens? And also, you got to remember what happens. There's things that are, uh, you know, players can get injured, and then all of a sudden, Russell Gage, like, it could have a freak accident, and Russell Gage becomes the number one in that offense. Look at Michael Thomas. Michael Thomas was, was being drafted in, like, the third round, fourth round of, of, of drafts, and now he's on people's IR spots, right? And good job, Jeff. This is a perfect segue into our next point, which is utilizing your IR spots, right? Most people have the brain-dead take that, oh, the IR spot is there for when my players get injured, right? When my players get injured, okay. Oh, no, my player got injured. Let me move him to the IR spot. Oh, so disappointing. I'm so sad. People who are drafting guys like Michael Thomas and putting them on their IR spot in a late round are doing something smart do you want to be the guy doing something stupid or do you want to be the guy doing something smart right in like eight of my leagues my redraft leagues this year i drafted curtis samuel in the 17th or 16th round right i literally finished the draft moved into my ir spot and then waited for waivers to clear and then i used that little green plus mark on yahoo to add another player to my team right i have an extra bench spot when i do things like this so why aren't you? If you're not doing that, you're doing it wrong. You're doing it wrong. Michael Thomas, in the eighth round, is such a good steal. You're getting him, right? You're taking him over guys that are potential <clears throat> excuse me, potential upside, and you're throwing him on your IR spot, and he's going to be out for six weeks, eight weeks, 
You know, he's he's probably going to come back. And what's he going to do when he comes back? What was Michael Thomas in a points per game? He's very valuable in points per game. So you can be slotting him right into your starting lineup near the end of the season. So you throw him on your IR spot, you wait for him to get his surgery and get his foot recovered and be ready to play, and then all of a sudden, in the second half of the season, when you're trying to push for the playoffs, whoa, here comes Michael Thomas. He's catching them slant passes. He's really putting up them points for you. And where was he the whole season on your IR, not even taking up space you needed? If you don't have two injured players you want to keep, then that IR spot is being wasted. I even like the idea of adding guys at the very end of my draft like Jeff Wilson Jr. and Tariq Cohen. Right? In the 17th round, if you're not going to draft somebody that you really, really want there, add a guy like Jeff Wilson Jr. and uh, or Sr. and uh, Tariq Cohen and throw him right on your, roster, uh, in your IR spots. Right? And then just go and add another dude. You know? And then if they don't, if, if you end up needing an IR spot, what do you do? You drop them. What's the, what's the opportunity cost of adding a Tariq Cohen to your roster in the 17th round? It's a 17th round pick. What are you getting in the 17th round other than kickers and defenses? You're just getting, you're getting waiver wire guys anyway. Right? If somebody in your league doesn't draft a kicker or a defense, then you're literally drafting somebody off the waiver wire. It's the same thing. So utilize your roster. Understand the limitations. If you got two IR spots, you should be having... If, if, it, if it makes sense, two guys on the IR. Because it's extra bench spots. So, now that we understand not drafting our kickers in our defenses too early and understanding that IR spots are valuable, let's talk about quarterbacks. Quarterbacks are the most controversial thing in fantasy football. Some people take them really early. They want to get their stud. Other people like, oh, let me take... Uh, a late round quarterback that I think has top 10 upside like Ryan Tannehill in like the 13th round, you know, 10th round, whenever he falls to in one quarterback leagues. Quarterbacks are a flow like water scenario. You need to understand when the value is there, right? Taking a guy like Kyler Murray in the 5th, 6th round is not a bad thing. You're not doing anything bad. You're not drafting the Washington football defense in the fifth round when you draft Kyler Murray. You're drafting a guy who legitimately has quarterback one upside, right? That's different than drafting a guy like a, a kicker or a defense that is so replaceable, it's unbelievable. Like, Kyler Murray in your starting lineup is much more valuable than random quarterbacks on the waiver wire, right? But you should not be reaching for quarterbacks you should not be taking guys like Patrick Mahomes at the beginning of the second round in one quarterback leagues like if you're drafting if you're drafting Travis Kelsey at one right the 101 I don't even think then I would take Patrick Mahomes at the 210 that's just bad why are you doing that to yourself Patrick Mahomes could have a massive season. He could be quarterback one and outscore the next best quarterback by 50 points. And how many points difference is that in points per game scored? What, three? He's three best point. He's three points better than the next best quarterback. So why are you why are you getting such a small positional advantage for such a high cost? Now, if you're in the fourth, fifth round and a Patrick Mahomes is there. Holy goodness, you're taking Patrick Mahomes, right? Because you're paying much less for him. You've already drafted your best running back, your best wide receiver, maybe a, maybe a top three tight end like a, a Waller, a Kittle, or a Kelsey. You're doing you're doing it right then. You're taking him 
at value. You're taking him at a, at a value later in the draft when he's actually worth it. Right? Do not reach for a quarterback just the same as you would not reach for a defense or a kicker. Let the draft fall to you as it does. Take the best players there for your team. Don't force a quarterback on there. You don't have to fill your roster. It's it's not it's not a checklist like you're working at a working at a store. Like, okay, you know what? I did my first task. My first task was to draft a running back in the first round. Okay, I did that task. Now in the second round, I got to draft a wide receiver or running back here. I right, check and then you do wide receiver, wide receiver, you know, whatever. And then you're like, okay, well, the only positions in my starting lineup who are empty are quarterback, flex, kicker and defense, right? Even after you fill your flex, it's quarterback, defense, and kicker. Are you really going to be telling me that you want to take, you know, a Ryan Tannehill in the sixth round to fill your to fill your quarterback spot because you need to fill a quarterback spot? No. Why the hell would you do that? That's bad. You know, you're looking at your roster. You're like, oh, this. You know, I, I need to fill this kicker and defense. I need to, I have to I have to check those boxes, or my boss will be mad at me. So let me take the Washington football defense in the eighth round. Let me take Justin Tucker in the in the tenth round. That's just bad. You don't need to do that. Draft your bench. Get your depth first. Don't be stupid, right? Players get injured. Players have bye weeks. You wanna you wanna have Justin Tucker, you know, and then your your best bye week plug in is a guy like Philip Lindsay. That's bad. Oh, do you wanna wake up on Sunday and look at your look at your lineup? And be like, whoa, what am I doing today, man? Like, I got four players on by, and I got six bad players on my bench. You're screwed that week. You're throwing that week away. You're saying, all right, I don't care this week. I'll, I'll try next week. You're either pl- you're, you're, you could be playing in a free league, in which case then, you know what, you, you do you. But if you're paying to play fantasy football, do you really want to go into a week and say, you know what, I just don't even want to play fantasy football this week. My team is so bad that I don't, you know, I just, whatever. You can have the win. I concede. You win. No, you want to have depth. You want to be able to be like, okay, you know what? I drafted so well that I got a guy like Jerry Judy sitting on my bench who could have a career year this year. Who knows? Who knows who the quarterback's going to be in Denver, right? It could be Drew. It could be Drew Pulak, whatever his name is. And, you know, it could be Teddy Bridgewater, you know. But regardless, Jerry Judy's a talent that's going to catch the ball. He's going to put up points. Would you rather have Washington football defense or would you rather have Jerry Judy? I'd rather have Jerry Judy. And there's and there's guys that are going in that range with the Washington football defense and, and Justin Tucker that you should be filling your bench first. Don't do it that way. And another, another big contention and, and the last uh, major point I'm going to make is uh, stacking, right? When you go into the season... You shouldn't be looking to stack your team, right? You shouldn't be saying, oh, you know, I need oh, I need to get me that Keenan Allen-Justin Herbert stack. That's just such a good value. I get Keenan Allen in the third and Justin Herbert in the sixth or fifth. It's just so, oh, it's so good. But if it's there, take it, right? Like, if, if, if Keenan Allen balls out, do you not want Justin Herbert on your team? Winning your weeks doesn't come down to floor only. You need to have players who have upside. Look at guys like Tyler Lockett, where he had a he had a pretty pedestrian season for the most part. Like he was putting up four points, eight points, nine points, and then randomly, whoa, fifty points. How do you lose your week when Tyler Lockett drops fifty points? You have to have a very bad week to lose your week when Tyler Lockett drops fifty points on you. 
Guys like that are perfect for your team when you draft a solid floor. When you have a solid floor, you need to be reaching for those guys who spike, who have huge, 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 huge week-to-week upside. Who, when DK Metcalf's getting blanketed, Tyler Lockett's going to catch eight passes, three touchdowns, and 250 yards. Like, how do you, like, how does your opponent beat that, right? You're getting Tyler Lockett, who has similar weeks to Alvin Kamara and Devontae Adams. You're getting him in the fifth round this year, right? So, understand, I don't know how I got on that tangent. I need to redo that. So, I'm trying to talk about stacking, and I got excited about Tyler Lockett because I'm a Seahawks fan. When you, when you go for stacks, you need to understand which quarterbacks you should be stacking with which assets, right? You don't want to be stacking a guy like Jalen Hurts with Jalen Rager, right? Because if Jalen Hurts is having a pop-off week, it's most likely going to be with his feet, right? He's going to be running the ball. He's going to be scoring touchdowns on the ground. He's going to be doing things like that to have a spike week. Who should you be stacking? Guys like Tom Brady. Could you imagine if, you, if you're in the, in the ninth round of your draft and you get Tom Brady and then, oh, wow, Antonio Brown's available in the 10th? Like, that's just a solid move. You're just getting two good players at value who have correlation and could potentially spike to win you a week. Even the same goes if you get Chris Godwin. If you get Chris Godwin in the third and Tom Brady falls to you at value, now don't reach for Tom Brady. Don't go, oh, I got Chris Godwin. I must. I must have Tom Brady. He must be mine. You don't need to force Tom Brady onto your roster. But definitely, definitely, definitely keep an eye out for when the stacks fall at value. The similar thing could happen with Josh Allen and Stephon Diggs. You know, you get Diggs at the end of the first round, and you're like, oh, Stephon Diggs is so good. Look at them last year. They balled out. They won weeks by themselves. That's two players on your on your roster who could put up enough points to win a week. If Stephon Diggs catches three touchdown passes, that's 18 points for Stephon Diggs and 12 points for Josh Allen. That's 30 points from two guys, not including the, the reception, the yardage, the passing yardage. You know, that's, that's a huge, huge, huge way to win spike weeks. You don't want to go into the season, like I said, being in the middle of the pack. You don't want to go in, oh, you know what? If if I get lucky, I get lucky, I'll I'll squeak I'll you know, I'll squeeze my way into the playoffs and I'll hope that I I just you pop off and I win. No, you 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 wanna be dominant. You wanna be the guy nobody wants to play week to week. You wanna be the guy who has a lineup where Travis Kelsey is your tight end one and you have a solid stack like a Keenan Allen, Justin Herbert, and Kelsey pops off for three touchdowns, and Keenan Allen catches two TDs, so you have Keenan Allen and Justin Herbert on your team, and you got two solid running backs. You know, that's the guy you want to be. You don't want to be the guy who has Justin Herbert, who's pretty good, uh, Travis Kelsey, who's pretty good, uh, Najee Harris, who's pretty good, you know, Joe Mixon, who's pretty good. You know, you, you want to have those weeks where that where you can just go in and, and in one game, all of a sudden, you're just winning that week. You're just done. Like a, like a week where you had Russell Wilson and Tyler Lockett, and Tyler Lockett puts up 50 points. Russell Wilson's got to be putting up 30 points that week, right? He's got to be. That's at 80 points from two players when you're starting nine players. So stacking is one of those things where people, people either are way too into it or not enough into it. Everybody's like, oh, I don't like stacking because if one player does bad, the other one does bad. Well, if one of your players is doing bad, you're already in a bad spot, right? If your quarterback's already having a bad week, you're already having a bad week, right? But if your quarterback's having a good week and you happen to have his favorite target, holy goodness, you're having a great week. So understanding stacking is huge, right? And the last thing I'll talk about is 
is going in going into your fan this fantasy football season and staying cool. Like we we've never had a season with seventeen uh, regular season games before, right? Eight and eight is dead. The best you can get to the middle round record anymore is eight eight and one, right? Seventeen weeks. This means that our most most leagues are pushing the playoffs back one week. Is your season over if you start 04? Is your season over if you start 06? I mean, unless one team makes the playoffs, probably not. You probably need to be in the top 40 to 50% of your league to make the playoff, right? Top top four teams, top six teams make the playoffs. You can get hot. You should still be attacking the waiver wire. You should still be looking for where you can make value. You can make trades. If you start off 0-4 and you've got a guy who's injured, I don't want to even put a name out into the universe because I don't want anybody getting injured in fantasy football. But if you've got a guy who's injured and he's going to be coming back in four weeks, but you're already 0-4, 0-6, you got to be trading that guy. you got to reach out to the guy who's already 6-0 and and be like, you know what, this guy's coming back for the fantasy football playoffs. You want to give me... A win now, a win this week asset for the win later asset that I'm offering you. Like, look at last year, guys like Saquon Barkley and Christian McCaffrey. Those teams, those teams were screwed week three, right? Like, once those, once your, once your first round player goes down, you have to go into panic mode. You have to be okay. What can I do to to survive until my player comes back? And how do we do this? We stay cool. Tip ten: Stay cool. Right. Saquon Barkley gets injured, what do you do? You throw away your team, you take the $30 or $20 you spent to get into that league, and you say, you know what, screw it, I'm done. This is ridiculous. Sure, you can be mad in the moment and be upset that your player got injured, you know, because it's a freak accident and the player's never been hurt before and he got injured. Yeah, you can be upset about it. But what are you going to do to keep yourself in the running? Two years ago, Saquon Barkley got hurt. I had him on three of my teams. He got hurt in week four, whatever it was, and he was out for four weeks, five weeks. And in all, on, on half those teams or all those teams, I don't remember exactly, I managed to squeeze my way into the playoffs. I made it in, and then who came back? Championship Barkley, right? He dropped a huge game in the championship week, winning me those leagues. So stay cool. Don't get tilted. If you if you need, if you're really looking at your team and you're pissed off, maybe don't look at your team for a little bit and then calm down and come back. Especially if you're in a very high stakes league, right? You don't want to be getting upset because you don't want to be making rash decisions and dropping players that shouldn't be dropped. Think before you do. Always, 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 always think before you do. So I'm just gonna go through again real quick and say what I talked about and just give a quick synopsis. So you can maybe write this down or make a mental note, right? One team's going to win your league. Play for upside, right? Understand your league format, whether it's full PPR, half-point PPR. It changes who you should be taking, right? Would you rather have Alvin Kamara or Derrick Henry in a full-point PPR? If Alvin Kamara is going to be catching more passes than Derrick Henry, it's going to make him score more fantasy points on average, right? Understand your format. Understand who you got to start, when you got to start, how many players you're starting, how deep your bench is. PPR versus non PPR, PPR PPR versus 0.5 PPR. Next tip: Don't chase the RB run. Don't chase any run. Right? If some moron is taking Washington defense in the sixth round, and then the next guy takes Kansas City, and then the next guy takes Pittsburgh, are you going to be the moron who takes the Ravens? 
No, don't be a sheep. Don't jump off the cliff because everybody else is jumping off the cliff. You're just going to get a better player because they decided to take Washington defense and then take two more defenses. You're getting a player that's four spots better now because, whoa-wee, they took their defense, right? Do not chase the run. Do not take a defense too early. Understand depth, right? Understand how valuable it is to be able to plug players in when someone's on a bye week and somebody's hurt. Draft your draft your bench spots before you fill your roster if, if value suits. Don't be drafting them them players you're not gonna be worried about early. Draft your draft your depth so when somebody gets hurt you're still a contender. Utilize your IR spots correctly. If you have an opportunity to take if 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 everybody is forgetting about Michael Thomas and he's there in the twelfth round, I don't know why you would not be taking him and throwing him on your IR and just waiting to see if he comes back. What's the worst case that happens? What'd you pass up on the twelfth round? One of those rookie wide receivers, we don't even know what they are, right? You can still get those guys on the waiver wire. Add a Michael Thomas to your roster. Add him to your IR spot as soon as the draft ends. And then when waivers clear, don't waste your priority on picking up a random person. Don't be stupid, right? Wait until waivers clear and you can add them without wasting your priority. And move Michael Thomas to your IR and add another player that you can see what you have in, right? Don't undervalue, don't overvalue QBs. QBs aren't simple. Understand when to take them, when to take them when they're a huge value, when to pass on them because people are taking them way too early. Don't be the idiot who takes Pat Mahomes at the 201, right? Don't be that moron. Obviously, in multi-QB leagues, this, this information is irrelevant because QB value changes entirely when there's two QB leagues or super flex leagues, right? We're, keeping, we're talking one quarterback leagues. Don't be a moron. Don't take Patrick Mahomes in the first round, early second round, right? Don't be doing that. And then I talked about stacking, understanding that uh, when stacking falls to you at value, it's a huge asset to your team, understanding that a spike week from one player will correlate to a spike week to another player. If Justin Herbert throws six touchdowns, Keenan Allen probably caught three of those, right? That's going to be a huge week for you. That you're, you're winning that week unless you forgot to put players in your lineup at the, every other position. And even then, you might still win. And then stay cool, right? Fantasy football is a week-to-week -week game. Sure, you lost last week by .001, but you got this week, right? And don't be the don't be the butthole who doesn't doesn't field field a uh, a full starting lineup, right? Even if you're 9 like at least take the time to go in and make an attempt to fill a lineup, even if you're already eliminated. Don't be that guy because everybody else is trying their very best to get into the playoffs, and you're giving somebody a free win when they really should be having to compete with you. Be a dream crusher, bro. Go in there, try to try to try to knock them off their win streak. How good's it gonna feel if you just if you you're you're pretty salty, right? You're like, oh, I'm eliminated. Get in there and knock somebody else off off their win streak. That feels great. That feels better than an average win, even if your team is 0 and 8. Be the guy who wins that ninth round matchup against the team that's seven and seven and two or whatever it is, seven and one. Be that guy. Get in there. Compete every week. You paid to play, right? If you're playing, if you're listening to this podcast, odds are you're paying for your fantasy leagues, because this is not a very well-known podcast. Nobody knows about this, so you're you're paying for your leagues. Get your money's worth, right? Get the enjoyment of beating that guy who thought he was a a shoe, a shoe in, right? Get in there and compete. So just to close the the podcast off, I just want to say thank you so much for listening. If you get if you made it to the end, you really are a champion. I don't know how you did it. But hopefully something here I told you is something you didn't know. And if you knew everything, then hopefully it reinforced that you're not doing anything wrong, at least in my eyes. 
you're doing everything right. So, thanks again, and uh, stay tuned. Follow the podcast. Do all the things people do when they all all the stuff people, shills do. Oh, follow my podcast. Follow my Twitter. Follow my YouTube. If you Google Savage Fantasy Football, I'm sure you'll find it. <laughs> I'm gonna make it the same everywhere. All right.